I am so thankful that you folks are here tonight. I've been praying a lot about this conference. Praying the Lord would bless us with numbers. Some of His people might be able to come here, and folks have come here for answered prayers all over the world. We have guests from Australia, Kingsport, Tennessee, Florida, San Diego. Kevin brought the whole church with him up here. <laughs> well, maybe not the whole church, but enough to fill up a few pews. Give a city, Marysville. All around, just good to see you folks. And I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Lord, for giving you folks a desire, just as he does all of his people, a desire to hear his truths, his gospel. And that's what we've come here for tonight. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements for you. Those of you who receive CDs already will automatically get copies of the messages this weekend sent to you in your regular mailings. Those of you who would like a CD still, and I know that probably some of you are saying, what is that? <laughs> to us old folks, that's compact disc. <laughs> If you still got one of those players and you want one, we'll be happy to make up some copies for you, but you need to see Kathy, and she'll take care of that and mail that at a, uh, another date. We won't try to burn them at uh, the same time. So if you want copies, we'll have those for you. Other than that, everything tonight will be posted on Sermon Audio. We are live right now with Zoom. There are folks online who are joining us who couldn't be with us tonight. Uh, some from around the country even, some folks who have been going through some illnesses and dealing with uh, uh, some of the illnesses that they have and just couldn't be here. So if you'd like, after the services are over, we'll leave the screen in the foyer up for a few moments and you can see some folks maybe you know on there if you'd like. It's live Zoom. You're, it's, I, I like Zoom because it's a fellowship instead of just watching it on video. So... Um, Sermon audio, Zoom, CDs. Got it. All righty. Would you turn in your hymn books, please, to 588. I'd like to open with this song. This is what the Lord has brought us to do. Turn to hymn books 588. Oh, that's right. You're right about that. I apologize. Okay, we're going to sing this Acapulco. <laughs> and and I, re I forgot. Thank you for reminding me. The reason we're not playing music, we've got the music, we can play it. But I want you to sing with the words. I want the words to flow from your heart as it does mine. We have come into his house gathered in his name to worship him. We have come into his house and gathered in his name to worship him. We have come into his house and gathered in his name to worship Christ. 
and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight and they said one to another did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures and they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them saying the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon and they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. Let's pray. Father, we ask you that you would bless us in this meeting at this time with these people from your word concerning your Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to understand the significance of what we just read, the eternal will of God having been accomplished by our Savior now he rose from the dead in testimony of all that was done. What a Savior. What salvation. What grace and what a sovereign will that you would save such as we are. We pray, Lord, that you would be with the preacher tonight, our brother Kevin. You would be with the people here. You would be with each one of us. We cannot make these things happen. You must speak to us from your word. We know faith comes to us that way. Be pleased, O Lord, according to your goodness and your mercy in Christ our Savior to bless us from your word and save us, Lord, and keep us and bring us to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Rick. Go ahead and be seated, please. Turning your hymn books, if you would, to page 277. The Lord put a burning in your heart tonight. Oh, I pray that He has. I pray that He has. 277, the church's one foundation. Wait. 
I'm a servant of the Most High. There was a day when I was a servant of John Reeves. Do you remember the day when you were a servant of someone else? Oh, to be a servant of the Almighty. To love Him because He first loved us. Oh, ye servants of the Lord, ye that stand in the house of the Lord. Now, some of you folks may think that this is talking about a nice, pretty building. Uh -uh. Our Lord dwells in a temple that is made without hands. You know what the church is? It's not this building. It's not this building. It's you. It's us. It's those who God has elected to love from the from before a star ever twinkled in the sky. God chose to love a people, to be gracious to a people. Everything created was so that those people, them, us, the house, would come to Him and worship and praise His name. Everything. Everything. He's sovereign over it all. Everything that happens is purposed by the sovereign God of all things. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord. That's what these men on the road to Emmaus were doing afterwards. You know, Kevin and I were talking about that a little bit earlier. These guys didn't go on to Emmaus, did they? No, they turned around and they ran back to Jerusalem where the other ones where the rest of the disciples were. They were going to go back and praise. Hey, guess what? We saw Him. He's risen from the dead. Oh, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. And we've been brought to know the depth of our sin. I wonder sometimes. I wonder how these kids think about that when they hear that. I know some of you are parents, who parents are preachers involved in the church. I wonder. I think about how I was when I was their age. What do you mean? Showing how deep I'm. I'm not such a bad person. I'm okay. We got a lot of friends. We don't do anything wrong. We do. We go to the right places. I tell you. The Lord shows you what you truly are before Him. He will enlighten your soul to the glory of His Son, our Savior. And you too will say, you too will say, the Lord is good. Sing praises unto His name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord had chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. For I know, do you? For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. What a wondrous thing. Our Lord didn't have to show us any of that. He could have let us keep right on going on that path to destruction every one of His children are on when we come into this world. Yet God is gracious to a people. A people He's loved. 
Isn't that wonderful? Here in John chapter 17, we read in verse 25 and 26, O righteous Father. Now this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. He's speaking to God the Father who hears every word. Every word, because every word the Lord Jesus speaks is a word from God the Father Himself. They're one. They're three separate people, three separate uh, deities, three separate. No, I'm not saying that right. Three. Yeah, they're three separate, but they're one God. They're all on the same page. Oh, righteous God. The world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these. Notice that? These. There you go. That's the people we were just talking about just a moment ago. These. These have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. God loves this people. There is no doubt about it. And if God loves them, He's not going to lose any of them. This people who go around saying that God loves the whole world, they don't know the true and living God. Scripture says He loves a certain people and they will love Him. And I'm thankful because I was not looking for my God when He was looking for me. Turn in your hymn books for one more hymn before I ask our brother Kevin to come up. If you would, turn to uh, 524. It took a miracle. It took a miracle. 524.
verse 30. And it came to pass, Luke 24, verse 30. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the Scriptures? These two men on the road to Emmaus, many know this story. Who were these men that were made to burn within? Who was that? Their eyes were open. They knew him. Their hearts burned. What's that mean? That means that their eyes were dimmed. That they had unbelieving thoughts going through them. And that they were cold. They were cold hearted. But God came to them. And he opened their eyes. And he made himself known. And he warmed that heart. And he made it burn. Look up in verse 13. It says, And behold, Luke 24, 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs, just about seven miles away. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. These things. What things? Christ had been crucified three days earlier. Remember, his body was laid down. Here come Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. They had a hundred pounds of aloe and myrrh walking through town. I always thought, you can't fit that in your watch pocket. They probably had a wheelbarrow, right? That's a lot. They come through and they anointed our Lord's body. And then that stone was rolled over the tomb. And then guards were placed there the next day. And time passed. A day passed. And then another day passed. And now it's the third day. They were talking about these things. And all the things that led up to that. And he lied on the ground Three days and early that morning, on the third day, doubt set in. Unbelief set in. Unbelief's catching. Did you know that? It's like a cold. It's like laziness. It's like bitter a bitter spirit. It's contagious. It is. And even after hearing the reports of those ladies at the tomb, they said, it's empty. We were there and an angel come to us and they said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? That means... Your Lord reigneth. He liveth. Told them plainly. Right? Why are you here looking for somebody that's dead? He's alive. And even after Peter, he run up there. And he saw the linen and the clothing laying there. And he was confused. And he wondered. And he had a defeated attitude that started setting in. These disciples and these apostles, they had physically seen the Savior their whole spiritual lives. From the moment he came to them and said, follow me. He was there with them. The exact opposite of us. Physically, with our eyes, we haven't seen him. Physically, with our ears, we haven't heard him. With our noses, we haven't smelled him. Someday. Someday we we can't enter into that now. But these two walked. One was Cleopas, and the other one's unnamed. Some say it was John. Some say, well, it says Simon at the end. Maybe it was Peter. But I love what our Lord says, and I love what he doesn't say. Everything he says is right, and everything he doesn't say is right. Amen. It's true. Many think it's John, but you know what? That can surely represent any of the Lord's people. That's me. That could be applied to me. That could be applied to you. 
These two walked along. It says in verse 14, and they, they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass, verse 15, that while they communed and they reasoned, we, we don't have any, any word to go on, so we're going to figure this out ourselves. There's a way that seems right unto man. And we try to sort out the Lord's word and understand that through providence. Instead of just bowing to providence according to what he said. Saying he's right and every man's a liar. What does he say? I don't understand, but we're going to follow the best we can. Eh? It's a sad state. Well, who came to who? They were defeated. They said, we're going back to Emmaus. We're going home. Maybe I can get my old job back. What are we going to do Monday? Something's got to happen. These kids got to eat. Who came to who? Look at verse 15. And it came to pass that while they communed together and they reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. He came to them. He comes to us. He comes to his people. Where we are, how we are, aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful? We don't have to be someplace or do something or be something for him to come to us. They were sad, they were troubled, they were downhearted, they were in unbelief, and they were trying to sort this out on their own. And they were not heading to the last place they saw him. They were going each their own way, he says in John 16. That means you're everybody's going to their own house. Y'all gonna leave me. He said, But the Father's gonna be with you. They were not seeking God, they were trying to figure out what to do now because his earthly kingdom hadn't established. That's what they thought was going to happen. Paul wrote in Romans 5, but God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Verse 16. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. These men had followed him. They believed the Lord. He called them and used them. But right now they couldn't see him. He closed their eyes. They didn't know that was him. They knew what he looked like. They knew, they knew the Lord. But they couldn't see him at this, this moment. He closed their eyes for a season. There in Mark 8, the Lord healed a blind man. And he, he, he touched his eyes. He said, what you see? And he said, I see men as trees walking around. And he did it again. It's the only time he does it. We don't see everything clearly from the get-go. The Lord doesn't save somebody, and I know everything there ever is, ever was, and ever has. Not yet, no. We see a little at a time. We learn a little at a time. It takes a lifetime. We grow a little bit at a time, right? If you had a child and you brought it home and the next day that arm looked like my arm. You said, take that thing to a doctor. Something's wrong with you. Right? We have to grow a little bit of time and see a little bit of time. Then in verse 17, he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that you have one with another as you walk? What are you all talking about? And why are you sad? Why are you sad? What's gotten into you? I wrote down, What won't a believer do? I don't want to walk through this world as a sad person. I have no reason to be. God gave me His good news. His yeah. people are happy people. Ain't they? We have every reason to be happy and not sad. We, don't, we, we, we may not understand everything. <laughs> we may not have a good handle on everything. We have every reason to be happy. It says in verse 18, And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering unto him, said, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Or, uh, are you from out of town? Are you from another continent? Has not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Don't you know what's going on? This is the only thing worth talking about. 
They were the Lord's people. He's the only thing worth talking about, worth learning about, worth knowing about. And he said unto them, what things? He knew. When the Lord asked questions, teach us something. Not for his information. What things? They're going to tell the Lord these things. Everything they've been talking about, everything that happened, everything they heard him say. It must have meant this. He said we're going to understand down the road. We can't handle it all right now. Even if they don't have a thorough understanding, they can't thoroughly enter into everything the Lord had told them and everything that happened, that's what they were going to tell. And let me tell you something. Nothing's changed. Just because we can't enter into something, but He says it, that's what we tell. I'll give you an example. There's going to come a day for the Lord's people who are in Christ and we're going to go to glory and you're going to be without sin. That ain't Webster's Dictionary. There's going to come a day you're going to worship. Your heart's going to burn to Him face to faith in perfection and holiness. and, and Some other word that ain't been a minute. You're going to see Him. You're going to hear His voice. He's going to preach to us and serve us and we're going to smell it. Like myrrh and aloes wood. It's going to be cleanliness and holiness. And he smells like substitution. That has a smell. Verse 26 says, or I'm sorry, John 15. He says, when the Comforter come, I'm sending to the Father. He's going to testify of me. And ye also will bear witness. He told these folks here, what things? He knew what was in them. He put it in them. We're going to tell them, man. And we're going to inquire of him. Verse 19. And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. These men with wicked hands, they slew him. But we trusted. That's as far as they had made it. Right? Yeah. We trusted that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today's the third day. That's what He had said, we remember, since these things were done. You may have heard the expression, sometimes we can't see the forest for all the trees. We thought He was going to redeem Israel. Your plum redeemed. Well, He's going to come back the third day. It ain't midnight yet. Hold on. Calm down. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Sometimes we can't see these things. Paul, taught, Paul told us to finish the course, didn't he? He said, run the race. Finish the course. Persevere to the end. Wait. Wait. It's hard to wait on the Lord. It's hard for me to wait at a red light. My pastor said that years ago, and it's so. We're impatient, ain't we? Waiting for Him. We quit too early. We're prone to wonder. We're prone to leave the God we love. But praise God, He's able and He's faithful. They had a good report. They had a good report given to them. Look here verse 22. Yea, and certain women also of our country made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they had found not His body, they came to say that they had also seen visions of angels, which said He was alive. And certain of them, speaking to Peter, which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said. But he saw them not. But him, but him they saw not. And that's what the ladies come marry them since the angels spoke to us. And Peter said, I ran up there and looked, and it's empty. There's neatly folded linen laying there. That's a good report. 
from those we love, we have a good report. But I can't make you receive that. I can tell you about it. I can't make you believe it. Remember, remember that woman at the well? She went and told everybody. She said, let me tell you about a man that told me everything about me. And they came and they listened. And God spoke to them. And they said, they told that woman at the well, they said, we came because of you. That's why we showed up. Maybe some of you came here today because of friends here. That's why you came. But if he speaks to us, and now we heard him. Now we've heard the Lord. He must speak. He's going to do it through the preaching of the gospel, not the preaching of a lie. You ain't going to eat good meals out of a bad dumpster. That ain't going to happen. But when he speaks to the heart. And you know what? It's foolish not to bow to what the Lord said and to fully trust Him all the time. That's foolish. It's foolish. When I have unbelief, I'm being a fool. And when I do not trust the Lord, even on the things He hasn't revealed yet, that's foolish. It's cold-hearted and it's foolish. Look here in verse 25. Luke 24, 25. And He said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart. You know what a slow heart is? It's cold. It's sluggish. It's like molasses. O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? What's He saying? He's glorified. That's why He prays it in John 17. Father, I'm going to glorify you, you glorify me. It's time. The hour's come. He said, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? That's the hour He came for. And go to glory. Have you ever been sad and troubled and afraid and unbelieving and cold-hearted? Cold-hearted? You know what the solution to that is? The preaching of the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then seeing Him making you have eyes to see that as glorious. To see Him as glory. Look at verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them in all the scriptures concerning Himself. Who better to preach Christ than Christ? And when I hear him speak in glory, I'll never want to do this again. <laughs> now, he'll talk. Some of my older brothers are here. And, and here, here in the next couple, couple of weeks, somebody's got to preach. And I said, well, you do it. <laughs> Not me. Well, for him. For him to speak. It says, In the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures concerning himself. Oh, it's there in that temple when he stood up and he read Isaiah and it says he sat down. That means he started preaching. And everybody was astonished at those gracious things that poured out of his lips. Yeah. Could you imagine? It just said he expounded in all the scriptures. In Moses, that's the first five books of the Bible. And the prophets, right, concerning himself. You know, for over two years, since April of 2021, the, the brethren and I from, from San Diego, we've been going through Genesis. We started in April of 2021. And you know, as I go through that, the more amazed I am at every verse. It's amazing. And I was thinking, if the Lord started in Moses, where would He have started? Commentators say, well, Genesis 3.15. Right? Well, if it's Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That Christ, who ought to be glorified, that you're so sad out here, because it didn't work out the way you thought, He's on His throne. That's the same one that created the heaven and the earth. That's right. John was taught that, wasn't he? 
That's the first thing John wrote down in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was, was God. Same in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made. Christ is the Creator. That's the first thing I read in Scripture, is it you? He's the light of the world. It says in Genesis 1.3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and that was good. He says it's good. It's good. <laughs> no man's good but God. That's Him. And what, what did our Lord say in John 8? He said, I'm the light of the world. And he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What about Genesis 3.15? That woman's seed said, it's going to, that serpent, you're going to bruise his heel. He's going to bruise your head. That's what just happened 2.75 days earlier. And he's on the road to Emmaus. He said, that Christ that, that, you, that you, you thought was going to be in this tomb or have an earthly kingdom, that's what he did. It's finished. Remember when he said it's finished? It was done. Plum finished, right? He got to Genesis 6, maybe. The ark. The ark. Everything outside that ark, death. Looking at the ark, knowing how big the ark is, being able to tell you what kind of pitch is made out of and all the technical details, don't mean you're in that ark. To be in the ark's life, outside's death. I preached on the ark six times to those poor people down in San Diego. I said, I think you got one more message off the ark, okay? One, one, just one more. And I said, they're going to run you out of town. You need to wait till next time. Maybe you can do it again, right? Would we ever be lukewarm? Would we ever be cold-hearted if Christ opened the Scriptures and said, would you turn to Genesis 6? I'm going to tell you about who the ark is. Oh, what? Well, if he set on fire, would you? I want to see him. Go through Exodus, the Passover lamb. He said, the blood shall be for you a token. That's just a symbol. That's just a picture. That's all it is. It's going to be for you a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you, and I will smite the land of Egypt. He said, that token, that was a picture of the Christ that was on that cross. The Christ that was in that tomb that ain't in that tomb now. He's glorified. Went through numbers. The brazen serpent, right? And it says, when Moses made a serpent of brass, and he put it upon a pole, it came to pass, if a serpent had bitten any man, and he beheld. I underlined that a couple of times. He adored. He burned. When he beheld that serpent of brass, he lived. He said, what did he tell Nicodemus? He says, Moses lift up that serpent in the wilderness, so much, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whosoever believeth, whoever burns in their hearts for him, should not perish but have eternal life. Deuteronomy, the city of refuge. Save you from the manslayer. Right? You go into the city, you're protected. And that one avenging, they're protected too. What's that mean? The law's honored. It's just, it's right. It's upheld. He said in John 6, All that the Father give me shall come to me. They're going to come to me. They're going to be in me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. If you come in that city of refuge, you ain't going to leave. They ain't going to take a head count and have one too many in the boots. You're all right. You're safe. On and on and on and on. And that's, that's, I had it wrote down somewhere. I'm skipping a rock over very deep waters. I'm, I'm not even touching the surface. Really. And that's our little feeble minds we see through a glass dimly. Joshua, he was Rahab's scarlet line in the window. Judges, 
he the angel of the Lord. Ruth. Someday we may call that the book of Boaz. Right? Christ our kinsman redeemer. Kings. He's a greater than Solomon. Ezra, the defender of the law. Nehemiah, the great restorer. Esther, the provider of the people. Job, he's the giver and he's the taker. Psalms, he's my shepherd. He's my king. He's my Lord. Proverbs, Christ is our wisdom. Song of Solomon, he's my bridegroom. Isaiah, the substitute. Jeremiah, the great physician, the balm of Gilead. Lamentations, the sufferer. Ezekiel, the glory of the Lord. Daniel, the man of favor, the one inside the furnace with them. Hosea, the forgiver, the provider. Joel, the Holy Spirit. Amos, the standard. Obadiah, the deliverer. Jonah, the sovereign Savior. Micah, Bethlehem's infant. That's how he's going to come. Nahum, the comforter. The back of my strength. Zephaniah, Christ the mighty one. Haggai, Christ the desire of all nations. Every nation, tribe, kindred, tongue. Zechariah, Christ the foundation. The chief cornerstone. Malachi, Christ the messenger of God. Would you like to walk seven miles with the Lord opening the scriptures to you? Mm. This isn't a rule book. This isn't a guide to life. This isn't a success manual. This is a hymn book. It's about, if, you, if you see him, now you're starting to have some light on the scripture. That's right. And if we don't see him, we missed it. We missed it. You burning yet? That's an old hat I can Google. <laughs> Tell me one more time. Tell me again. There in Luke 24, verse 27. It says, In the beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whether they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. Don't you love how the Lord deals with us? He knew he was going to eat dinner with them. There was no question about that. But he worked in them, in his providence, and his power, that way they would inquire of him. He said, I'm going to do all this for Israel, but you're going to, you're going to inquire of him. He said for us in Isaiah 54, For a small moment I've forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. For a small moment. With a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. He came to redeem it. Verse 29. But they can act like he's going to go on. But they constrained him. To restrain is to keep somebody from doing something. Constrain is to try to talk them into it. It occurred. They constrained and pleaded with him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. Call on him while he's near. Pass me not, objective Satan. Right? I thought of Lydia and every other person the Lord opens their hearts, makes them burn. For the first time or for the thousandth time, nothing changed. We constrain them. Stay with us. We want to be with you. It says in Acts 16, A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyreda, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, if ye have judged me to be faithful, Lord, come into my house and abide here. And she constrained us. Don't go away. 
don't go away. Some of my brethren I visit, visit with from around the country, they come and it's sweet and it's to stay up all night long talking. Don't want it to end. That day is not yet, but boy, we look for it. Don't we constrain for that? Lydia fell in love, in burning love with, first off, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why she constrained him. Second, she, she fell in love and constrained his preachers. That's who brought the word. Then she fell in love with his people, the Lord's people, those that burned the same way I did. And then she fell in love with the furtherance of the gospel. What can we do to tell somebody else? I have other brethren out there, they don't know this. Why would any child of God be, have constrained to, to try to get somebody to stay with them and get the Lord to stay with them? Why was that? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, For the love of Christ constraineth us. He loved us first. That's why. Verse 30. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave it to them. The message of the cross. My body is broken for you. I blessed this whole thing. And he broke it. Nobody else broke it. He laid it down. He broke it. And he said, take, eat. Is my body broken for you? Do this in remembrance of me. That's what he said. You reckon on that seven mile, I probably brought up Melchizedek. That's a, that's a, that's the first Lord's table, wasn't it? Genesis fourteen. Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the king of peace. He came to Abram and he brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And they set at meat. We're setting at meat right now. That's why we're. Verse 31. And their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. They knew him before. And they knew him again. And they knew him more. And they understood him. What's going to happen next time? I'm going to get sad and downhearted and, and, and cold hearted and unbelieving and looking at me and looking at the world. And He's going to come to me. He's going to come to you and say, hey, let me show you something. Look to me. Be ye saved. He vanished. But he didn't leave him alone. First thing I thought of, hanging there on the cross, he saw his mother. And that disciple whom he loves, John was standing there with her. And he said, they're going to be long. I'm leaving. And he said, woman, behold thy son. That's your, that's your son. Now. And he looked to John and said, behold thy mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her unto his own house. We're family now. I'm born into a family. But you're my family. He burns in, inside of you with Verse 32. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened the scriptures to us? While he opened to us the scriptures. Only he can open. Only he can light that fire. Only he can teach. And only he can shed that love abroad in his heart. And we ask him to go. You know what that heartburn is? When you hear of Christ, he's the heart. He really is. That's Him. He's the Passover lamb. That's it. That's worship. When that heart's set on fire, we're not thinking about ourselves. We forget about ourselves and we concentrate on Him. That's what we say. And worship Him. My heart just burns inside of me. When? Whenever. As it's while we gather here, we pray. We pray that He's gathered two or three together. He'd be in the midst of us. But while we look to Him, when we thank Him, we're at our daily job. Paul said that in Colossians 3. He said, What serve you do? Do it heartily. 
as unto the Lord. And if I'm at work, if I'm sweeping floors, or I'm at worship, or I'm doing whatever, fishing or something, well, my affection's set on Him. And I said, you know what? He put the fish in <laughs> He did. The Lord gave me this job. He gave me that, that boss. Good, bad, or ugly. Didn't he? I'm not working for that boss. I'm working for Him. That gives you a little spark, don't it? And just like embers and coals and lively coals, that fire's a whole lot warmer when we're together. Not a coal set off by itself. It'll go out. Lord didn't go to that, that, that one that left the 99 and said, all right, there you are. You're mine. And pat on the head and go back home. No. Break that thing's leg put it over his shoulder and take him home. So you're mine. We're gathered together. If we're following him, we're all going to kind of fall in together. What's the result of that new heart burning for Christ? When we hear him speak and we see him in the scriptures, what's the desire of that burning heart? Now, don't get mad at me, he said. Okay? Verse 33. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord's risen indeed. And he hath appeared to Simon. You're all right. We believe. We believe everything you told us. He's risen. And they told what things were done to them in the way. Wasn't it? And how he was known of them in the breaking of the bread. Oh, we got it. We understand. He made it. He taught us. I was ignorant. And I was unbelieving. And I was nothing. And he's everything. And he's kind. And he's good. And he come to me. They were going to Emmaus, weren't they? They was heading back home. They were going seven miles away. You know what they took? When they turned around and they went back to Jerusalem, do you know what they left in Emmaus? Everything. Everything. Or... Nothing of importance to them. It was all done, wasn't it? What was in a mess? Who cares? Lord's people's in Jerusalem. That's where I'm going. There's eleven there that believe. That's where I'm going. They counted everything in a mess loss. Nothing was of value. That's what Paul said in Philippians three. He said, "Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb." That I may win Christ. Be found. Some will say seven miles is a long way to go in the dark. Get back to the Lord's people. When your heart's on fire, there's no such thing. No such thing. That Ethiopian eunuch went about 2,028 miles to go from the capital of Ethiopia to Jerusalem. One way. And at a walking pace. Was that, well, what benefit was that? Uh, Philip was sent of God to go preach to him. His soul was saved. Was it worth a 4,000 mile round trip? You bet it. You bet it was. To that eunuch it was. Everybody else may have been mumbling and grumbling. He'd get over that too, wouldn't he? If we have a burning heart for the Lord, we'll have a burning heart for our brethren and to be united with them in worship, to be where they are, to live with them. We know what John said in his later years, don't we? And John. 1 John 4. He said, We love Him because He first loved us. But He goes on. And He said, If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from Him, that who he who loveth God loveth his brother also. I do. I love the people of the Lord. Those that have that same heart, put it with the new creation, cut from the same cloth, man. They're a sinner like me. They've been saved like I have been. They're kept by Him. They don't 
keep themselves. I love people like that. To end it, I'll be quick. I was reminded of a verse from one of my brothers back east. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 16. He said, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They've addicted themselves. We use addiction as a bad word. That's not a good thing in our day, right? This is a good verb. We addict ourselves to the ministry of the saints. I pray the Lord opens our ears. If we have heard Him or, or never heard Him, He opens our ears, He opens our eyes, He opens our hearts, and we burn for Him. And we love our brethren. We burn for them too. And we addict ourselves to the service of the saints for Christ's sake and for His glory. That's, that's my prayer for me and that's my prayer for every person in this room that He would come to us and do that in us. And that's my prayer for I would that all men be saved. Would you? I do. I hope that's a question. Oh, John. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling brother earlier, this is why don't you preach a message, brother, and stand in for David? And I told him, I said, you know, I understand now why Pastor Gene always said to me, No, John, these conferences are my time to hear people preach. I'm telling you, nobody here loved what I just heard more than I do. That was awesome. Thank you very much, Brother Kevin. I want to tell you about two folks real quick. Two folks, two sets of two different groups of people. There were some folks over in Tall. You talk about burning in the hearts of God's people. They were 80 years old, and they would drive over as long as that road was open from here to Tall every Sunday. Mike and Juanita go team. 80 years old. Snow on the ground, as long as the road's open, my, my spike tires will get me through, and he'd come over. Before Brother Rick opened up in Marysville, a, a, a ministry over there, Folks, and one of them's here tonight, would travel all the way from Grass Valley two and a half hours one way. You know people down in San Diego who come that far almost, don't you? God's people's hearts will burn because it's a new heart given to us by God Almighty. Turn, Stand with me, if you would, and turn to page 189. 